Open your Bibles this morning with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Um, maybe you want to open one of our new Pew Bibles, Christian Standard Bible, the translation I'll be reading from uh, to page 858, or turn in your Bibles, or turn on your devices to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, last week we introduced you to this new series, Hashtag Blessed. And now we are going to look at each beatitude, one by one, wondering what Christ meant when he preached this sermon for the first time to his disciples there in Galilee, but understanding what it means to us here in Hebron and for believers today. Today we are going to look at the first one that I believe truly shows that we are countercultural Christians, that these Beatitudes are not for, for anyone, but for believers who have committed themselves to faithfully follow Jesus. Today we're going to look at being poor in spirit. So let's read Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. When he saw the crowds, he went on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began teaching them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we have come to read your word, despite me, despite anything that I have to say, I pray that you would speak to your people that today, as we read from your word, we would hear your truth and be changed. Anything that I say that is not of you, may it be quickly forgotten. But if it is from you, may it plant and root itself in our heart that we might change to be in the glory of your son, Jesus. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. When we look at the Beatitudes, we are reminded that we are looking at the character that is distinctly counter-cultural. Last week, we talked about how these qualities of kingdom people are born-again people holding a different visa from another world, the heavenly realm. And the first beatitude makes clear that we are not talking about American 21st century culture, but a kingdom owned and managed by God himself. I could not have thought of something so anti-today's culture than what Jesus says here in verse 3. We're in a world that champions independence, personal grit, and personal achievement. Even today, false teachers prey on this type of independent thinking. For instance, the false teacher, Joel Osteen, the gospel, prosperity gospel preacher who is a false teacher, he says things like this in his book, God didn't make you to be average. God created you to excel. If you start acting like it, talking like it, seeing yourself as more than a conqueror, you will be a, live a prosperous and victorious life. And here is my favorite line. God wants you to be a winner, not a whiner. <laughs> we think of this independent spirit that the world portrays then we turn to Jesus' sermon, and we find no likeness at all to what he is preaching and teaching. Being poor in spirit means seeing yourself 
as you truly are before God, deeply in debt before God. You have no ability to even begin to redeem yourself. God's free generosity to you at an infinite cost to him is the only thing that has saved you. But many people today resist Jesus' teaching about our spiritual poverty. On the contrary, you believe that God owes you some things. He ought to answer your prayers. He ought to bless you for the many good things that you've done. And by inference, we say that we would really prefer this to read, that you are middle class in spirit. The idea that you have attained or earned a certain standing with God through your hard work. You might also even believe that success and the resources you have are primarily due to your own industry and energy. When we read these verses at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, it's like sitting at the bottom of a large mountain. And it's pointing us and helping us to look up that there is no way that we can achieve these characteristics, these things on our own. And as we think of being poor in spirit, I want us to consider the same thing. How are we to get poor in spirit? Well, Jesus is teaching that it is this attitude that makes us blessed and receive the kingdom of God. Three ways being poor in spirit makes us blessed by God is what we want to look at today. Number one, to be blessed, you must not be self-reliant, but dependent. To be blessed, you must not be self-reliant, but dependent. When you read this passage, the obvious question is, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Here, spirit means the inner person of your body. Your soul, not the outside, but the inside. Being poor is not a physical poor or a material poor, but an internal poorness. The word Jesus uses here is tokos. In the ancient Greek world, this word is associated with the life of a beggar. The verb form of this word referred to one who has bowed down timidly, crouching and cowering and begging for alms. This term that Jesus uses to refer, refer to the destitute, the beggar's, who are without resources and totally dependent on others for their de daily lives. This would describe the beggars that were along the gates as they would go to temple. These people are totally dependent on others. So this means that you are so poor on the inside that you are desperate for help, that there is nothing you can do to help yourself. Being poor in spirit means a humility in which you know that you are good for nothing, that you must have the help of someone for day-to-day -day affairs to provide for your needs. In this case, it describes a total dependence on God. This is very similar to the idea in the Old Testament. When the Midianites had raised up against God's people, the Hebrews, and God picked Gideon to lead a charge, and the story goes as Gideon uh, mounts a group of people uh, of 22,000. But it begins with Gideon's own spirit. He begins to tell God, God, uh, how could you even choose me of the weakest family of all your people? But God assured him that he would bring him victory. So Gideon wrestled up 22,000 men to go up against 130,000 men up here on the screen. I don't know if you can see it very well from your, your chairs or your seats, but up in the top corner is what 22,000 looks like in these dots, and the rest of this is 130,000. 
this is uh, what this looks like. And then God kept saying, too many, there's too many, there's too many. And he said, turn them away, turn them away, use different ways, all the way down to 300. And this is what this picture looks like, 300 people compared to 130,000. Gideon was like, how are we going to gain victory? But Judges 7, 2, this is what the Lord wanted to teach Gideon and teach us today. You have too many troops for me to hand the Midianites over to them. Or else Israel might elevate themselves over me and say, my own strength saved me. Friends, for both our salvation and our everyday lives, we will be blessed only when we admit our full dependence on God. Even Jesus was dependent on God. He said in John 14, 10, don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who lives in me does his works. When Franklin was a baby, he was utterly dependent on Sarah and I. We had, he couldn't feed himself. He couldn't clothe himself, change his diapers. My friend used to joke that he would have a free-range baby. He would just put the baby in the backyard and let him you know, use the bathroom and eat and take care of itself in the back. But we know we don't do that. We would never do that. Instead, we care for the babies. Their babies are totally dependent. They can't even move from room to room without us. This reveals why Jesus says later, come to me as a child. Why does Jesus teach us to pray about all things? Give us our day or daily bread. Why doesn't he just tell us to give us all the bread we, we need? Why? Because he wants us to keep coming to him, dependent on him again and again, day after day, day after day. Give us what we need, Lord. You know, you're going along and you say, I got this. Most of us have this attitude. We got this. You start to believe that you're the best salesperson, the best student, the best laborer, the best parent. Then all of a sudden, it's like the rug is pulled out from under you, and everything that you figured out goes wrong. And it's, it's only then that you say, God, I need your help. I can't do this. Friends, I challenge you to starve out your carnal desires to be dependent on yourself. That I will not believe the lies of Satan used through other well-meaning people when they say, you did a good job. You can do that. I will only then proclaim, no, it is God who did a great work in me. That you will say, I will try things and I know that I have difficulties so I can rely on God and watch God to show up and use me. The poor in spirit is total dependence and it will bring you the blessing and the presence and the power of God in your life. Secondly, to be blessed though, you must not be self-confident but confident in Christ. Not self-confident, but confident in Christ. In our home, we watch America's Funniest Home Videos. Franklin's favorite part of the show is the, the dog videos, or the, uh, the dog park videos, the funny dog videos. But as we watch it, we see a lot of bad things happen to people. And it's not because they lack confidence. A young boy takes a rope to take a 50-foot drop to the water and he runs towards it full confidence jumps on the swing grabs the rope and instead swinging to the lake he miscalculates and drag on the ground most of the way and most of the time when we have great confidence in ourselves we fail 
but when one is poor in spirit, they have a biblical view of themselves. Our culture says that everyone is good. Each person has it in them. But when we look and read the Bible, that is not what our true nature is. We look at Isaiah, the prophet chosen by God, who said, one, I I am nothing, but he gets to have a vision and stand before God, and he stands before God, and he says this, Isaiah 6, 5, Oh, woe to me, for I am a ruined man. I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips because my eyes have seen the King and the Lord of armies. To be poor in spirit, to see yourself as you really are before God. You have nothing to commend yourself to God. You have no spiritual resources within yourself that you have no claim on God or his mercy, that you are spiritually bankrupt, destitute like a beggar. Think about it. Poor in spirit is the objective condition of every person on the planet. Jesus is telling us that the people who belong to his kingdom are the ones who sense and embrace their true condition before God. Paul in Romans chapter 3 quotes Psalm 14.3 that reads, All have turned away. All alike have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. There's this great parable Jesus tells in Luke chapter 18. The Pharisee stood up and prayed. Jesus describes this worship service where a Pharisee and a tax collector comes and prays before the people. And the Pharisee stood up and said, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Very prideful, wasn't it? But then the tax collector lifts, comes. He says, he lifts up his eyes to heaven, beats his breast and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says and concludes, I tell you this, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Friends, this is how to obtain salvation. To admit, I am a sinner, unable to even think good, much less become good enough for God to accept me. But Jesus came and died on a cross, satisfying the punishment of God for sin. And those of us by faith trust Christ are saved. It is this spirit, Paul prays in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. Are you confident that Christ is in you? Do you acknowledge only any good that comes that comes to you is through the grace of God and his work in Christ Jesus. Friends, do not be self-confident, but confident in the work of Christ alone. Which leads us to number three. To be blessed, you must be bankrupt to gain everything. Some of you are hearing this for the first time and you might say, this is crazy. Is Jesus being a cosmic killjoy? What is he doing? What is he setting up for us? Friends, Jesus wants me and you to be solely dependent on him, 
He wants me and you to deny ourselves so that he can use us. Is this punishment? No. Actually, Jesus is revealing to you that if you become a nobody, if you become poor in your spirit, you will actually become a somebody. You are blessed and happy, rewarded if you, if you come to them, him in this spirit. Then and only then will you be born again. Then and only then will you receive your citizenship card to heaven. Then and only then, it says in verse 3, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. This pronouncement is fantastic. It is not a wish. It's this is it. By the way, this pronoun is emphatic saying theirs and theirs alone is the kingdom of God. This is the thrust. But this is the teaching of all the Bible. Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses. You were saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Friends, it is when we are poor that we gain it all. It is in Christ and our poorness, understanding our right standing, that we gain Jesus. We gain eternity. We gain it all. John MacArthur explains the kingdom as this, grace now and glory later, today that you have the grace to live every day in God's direction, that you will live in a world ruled by sin, but have the power to overcome it. You will get to be a part of the rescue mission to bring others to the kingdom, that you get far more than you deserve every day, all of this by God's grace. When you give up yourself, you inherit the kingdom. How do you do that? You accept a relationship with Jesus. You admit your standing, that you are a sinner, that your sin was against God, and you repent and believe in the work of Jesus. Those of us saved, we must constantly be relying on him, constantly seeing our own weakness, seeing the strengths of others, not complaining about your circumstances because we know that you don't deserve any good to begin with. But you will spend more time in prayer. You will take Christ on his terms, not yours. Friends, it is then and only then that we receive the blessing of eternity. The kingdom of heaven is ours. And when we have been there ten thousand years we will look back and be thankful that we admitted we were poor in spirit and we will agree all the more then that we are nothing without him so take inventory of your spirit today today is it sufficient or totally dependent. Reject what the world is trying to sell you. You can't do it by yourselves. You can't do it by just attending church or by being good. In your intimate times of decisions and thoughts, you must totally be reliant on God. There you will find yourselves as happy. Robert Reed, who has said, I have everything I need for joy. Well, who is Robert Reed? 
When his hands are twisted and his feet are useless, he can't bathe himself, he can't feed himself, he can't brush his teeth, comb his hair, or change clothes. Strips of Velcro hold his shirts together. His speech drags like a worn-out audio cassette. You see, Robert Reed has cerebral palsy. This disease keeps him from driving a car, riding a bike, and going for a walk. But this didn't keep him from graduating high school or attending Abilene Christian University, from which he graduated with a degree in Latin. Having cerebral palsy did not keep him from teaching at a St. Louis Junior College or or from venturing overseas on five mission trips. And Robert's disease didn't prevent him from becoming a missionary in Portugal. He moved to Lisbon alone in 1972. He rented a hotel room and began studying Portuguese. He found a restaurant owner who would feed him after the rush hour and a tutor who would instruct him in the language. Then he stationed himself daily in a park where he distributed brochures about Christ. Within six years, he led 70 people to the Lord, and one of whom became his wife, Rosa. I'd heard a video of Robert speak, and I watched other men carry him to his wheelchair onto the platform. I watched him lay his Bible in his lap. His stiff fingers force open the pages, and I watched the people in the audience wipe tears of admiration from their faces. Robert could have asked for sympathy or pity, but he did just the opposite. He held his bent hand up in the air and boasted, I have everything I need for joy. His shirt are held together by Velcro, but his life is held together by joy. Why? Because his entire life was not lived by what he thought he should do, not by what the world said he couldn't do, but that he was totally dependent on God. He, by being poor in spirit, found a blessing no one else can take. Brothers and sisters, my prayer is that you find that joy today. Today, if you have come and you have sought after joy, that you have sought after acceptance by God and you feel that you are so far away, I hope that here today you do not have to leave here feeling that way. The answer is here in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Today, admit in your sin that you need saving. And friends, Jesus will answer and save you. Today, those of us who are disciples of Christ should also understand there is no area in our life in which we cannot be dependent on God. And friends, when we do, we will be in his will, in his ways, and we will experience his presence and power like no other time in our lives. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Let us pray. God, today, may we see ourselves for who we truly are. Spiritually bankrupt, beggars needing someone else. Pray today that today if someone is here that does not know you, that they would admit 
this, that they would repent and they would turn in faith to you, Lord. Create in them by your work. Bring upon them this conviction. By your work alone, would you bring them to faith? By your work alone, would you help them? Would you make them new? Would you help them be born again? Create in them a new heart and make them your child of God. God, I pray for us as believers today that we would be totally dependent on you in every area, in all areas, that we would not depend on ourselves, but fully on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.